0: From childhood to now, I have been broken many times. I suspect most people have. In practicing the Japanese art of kintsukuroi, one repairs broken pottery by filling in the cracks with gold, silver, or platinum. The choice to highlight the breaks with precious metals not only acknowledges them, but also pays tribute to the vessel that has been torn apart by the mutability of life. The previously broken object is considered more beautiful for its imperfections. In life, too, Even greater brilliance can be found after the mending. Michelle Harper. I am learning to trust myself more. I am becoming more aware of my shortcomings and I'm striving to outwork them. Grab a pen and a notepad. Let's talk to the little girl and you. And write love letters to the woman you are becoming. Let's grow. Let's reflect a little. Let's laugh a little. Let's love ourselves a lot. Let's make our lives noteworthy. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Noted, Love Letters and Reflections. I wanted to talk a little bit about this book that I've been reading. Um, I've been reading it for months. (laughs) I've been reading it since July. Well, I've been reading it and then pausing and continuing it months later. Um, So... I reached a part in the book that is like, I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. So I really wanted to share with you all. Well, the book is called The Beauty and Breaking. It's a memoir written by Michelle Harper, who's an emergency medicine physician. Um, as I said, I started reading this book in July. I want to say I brought this book. Ugh, it, it. I think it was kind of cold outside. I brought this book maybe in October or November of last year of 2021 um but I started reading it over the summer when I took a solo trip to DC which was amazing if you have never been on a solo trip do do yourself a favor do yourself a favor and get you some I'm always tongue-tied and it's ridiculous because I'm a a podcast host um so anyways so I started reading this book in July on this solo trip in DC I had my blanket out it was beautiful it was a beautiful moment um but I really wasn't connecting with it I really just wasn't connecting with the words and um I kind of just forced myself to read because uh it was the first book that I uh, well it was the only book that I brought with me um on the trip so it was like I got to make this work so I'm reading I'm reading there were some good parts there were some parts that I resonated with particularly the part that you heard um, in the very beginning of this podcast, which talked about the Japanese art of, um, kinsu, kinsukoro, kinsukoro. I hope I'm saying that right. I said it right. I think I said it right. I looked it up on YouTube. So. I don't speak Japanese. I'm sorry that I don't. Um, So uh, that quote in particular spoke to me because it talks about how in this Japanese art style, when something is shattered or something is broken, it is put back together with gold, silver, and platinum. And um, the beauty of the, the object breaking, but also the beauty of the mending with it being molded back together with um, precious metals, so I think that we all in some ways are a form of this Japanese art, or that we strive to be a form of this Japanese art because in some aspect of our lives, some form of fashion we have broken in one way or another, and those are those those pieces that have been broken um the the precious metals are how we overcame them, how we fought through those things, how who we've become as a product of the pain that we suffered. So when you first get into the book, she starts to talk about her family life, how her family was when she was a child, how her father was abusive. They weren't like a poor family or anything like that. Um, They owned a house, but the father was abusive and the mom was kind of docile. And she just talks about all of the self-destructing things that her parents... Um did, and how it hurt her and the pain that she went through, and the pain that her brother went through, and what they experienced and then she gives these little anecdotal moments of what her parents had said to her when she was a child, because we know as an adult as adults now we know that words hurt. And a lot of times we were taught that words don't hurt. Six and stones may break my bones, but words do not hurt. Words absolutely hurt. They sit with you, especially when you're a child. So anyway, she gives these anecdotal moments of what was said to her when she was a child and what she wished was said to her when she was a child. And I thought this was very, very interesting because I had never thought to do this, right? Like you, most times, like when we ask for... Well, when we when we try to forgive, right? When we try to forgive for some of the trauma that we experience as a child, um, sometimes we never get the answers that we're looking for. But she took these moments inside of this book to write what she wished her parents had said to her. And I thought that was like a really good practice, a good a very good healing practice. So if you have not done that or if you have not gotten the opportunity to speak to your parents, or when you when you did the messages that um, you got back, weren't what you were looking for, I would challenge you to write, write to yourself what you wish they would have said to you. So anyways, in this book, she does this and she says, and then she responds to them. So she's kind of having this discourse with her parents through her writing, which is super therapeutic. So she says, here's what I, so after she, sorry, I'm like very excited about this. So after she, um, writes what she wish her father's father would have said and then she writes um what she wish her mom would have said to her she says here is what i would have said to both of them she says speak these truths aloud for it, for it is only in silence that horror can persist the courage to call a thing by its true name galvanizes the human spirit to address it if that condition serves one's desire it will be embraced with a full heart it if it is a destructive if it is destructive to one's path it will be deliberately dismantled over time so this spoke to me i mean this this spoke and and this is one of the quotes that came from the beginning of the book and as i said um i wasn't really like feeling it i, I wasn't really into it um at the moment but now that I'm like re-cracking it open, it's like hitting me. So timing is incredibly important. Um, but what she says, the courage to call a thing by its true name galvanizes the human experience to address it. So oftentimes we don't address the thing because human nature is to um suppress the things that hurt us, the things that we um that gave us the most pain. So when when you suppress that you don't give yourself an opportunity to claim it and to, and to own it versus it owning you versus it um, consuming you. And there's that word because I just watched Black Panther um, uh, Wakanda Forever this past weekend and they talked about being consumed by pain. Man, everything is clicking. This is crazy. I love when things click. But anyways, so when you when you give give your trauma a name right when you claim it and you make it real and you make it honest and you're you're truthful about how it hurt you then you're better able to heal so through this um through this she was able to have a a spiritual conversation because she didn't have this conversation with her with her parents but uh through this she was able to have that spiritual conversation and ultimately initiate some healing for herself because like she said it, if it is destructive to one's path it will be deliberately dismantled over time so if you name it if you claim it then you're able to heal so that you can dismantle that pain or dis- dismantle that suffering over time um after i read cuz i read i read this part uh over the summer like i said but um when i was at work the other day i started to i picked it up again and i'm like Uh, I want to say I was about a quarter way into the book, but I started reading it. Students were taking tests. uh, They were taking state tests. So I was able to read a whole bunch during this time because I couldn't be on my phone. So I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading. And she's given all of these different, um, she's given all of these different moments of times where she encountered someone who was experiencing some sort of traumatic pain one person one one young boy was abused um at school he was being bullied and abused at school and his response like just every single time somebody experienced something i don't want to get too too far into all of the details but every single time someone experienced something she had like this really enlightening moment um through their pain so it's sort of like she was vicariously um learning how to deal with trauma through other people's trauma. So a lot of times, this goes back to, I don't know if I mentioned this in my last podcast, but I saw a podcast or I I listened to a podcast and it talked about post-traumatic trauma or no, post-traumatic growth rather. Post-traumatic growth. So it talked about the need to have an experience in order to grow right in order in order to grow, you need to go through something traumatizing, you need to go through something um, you need to go through something essentially terrible in order to catapult yourself or to propel yourself into some sense of growth. As the cliche goes, you have to go through something to get through something. So she's using these other people's experiences to get through something so she doesn't have to have the actual experience to learn. And if we all could could live in this way, if we all could experience life in this way, we would be miles ahead right? Because our parents tell us things all the time. Our parents tell us, don't touch the stove. When we're kids, we touch the stove. Your parents tell you, don't do this and you do it. Your parents say, don't try that and you try it. And if we could live vicariously through other people's pain, then we would save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. I know I'm speaking to y'all, but I'm also speaking to myself. Right, so so many times, I could have avoided so much pain and so much hurt that I've put myself through or that I might have put someone else through in a way that I might have contributed to their pain just by listening to someone else's experience, right, living by curiously through what someone else has gone through, seeing that, and finding ways to really learn and grow through their through their experiences and this is what um. Michelle Harper is doing in this in this text, she has obviously had her own experiences, but to be that awakened and to be that aware of someone else's process that you can then apply it to your life in ways that you are propelling yourself into, into a successful life. I mean, emotionally, right? Mentally. So I think that her field of work in particular being an emergency uh, physician, emergency room physician, she's, I mean, she's seeing like the worst of the worst. She worked in a, uh, psych ward or she worked at the VA and then she worked on the psych ward at the VA. But I mean, those types of careers or those types of, um, life purposes allow you to really see like the darkest of people or to see like the, the most traumatic, um, are the most trauma that people can experience in the in that field of um in that field of work. I mean seeing people people um express their last their last words um on their on their deathbeds from being shot or um being in an accident or people who are um addicted to drugs or people who are just suffering from mental health and PTSD. I mean to be that um to be that uh divulged in people's trauma, you would expect that somebody would be able to use those, those moments to have, um, like these really big, these big and, um, big and important revelations about life, right? Especially seeing young people having their last words on their deathbed and, and all of that, all of that stuff, right? But like, if, what if, we as people who are not in that field of work um, could kind of like grasp that same idea and when we look at people and we look at people's life experiences and we listen to people talk and we and we and we don't listen just to be to be in somebody's business cuz that's what we we do, right? As people sometimes we listen to be nosy versus like listening to really understand somebody's life experience. What if we took the those those same um tactics that Michelle Harper did and we use them to to be a better version of ourselves, to to have revelations, to have um these big, these big enlightening moments that help us be successful, that help us be, and I'm not, and I don't mean successful as in money and wealth. I mean, successful mentally, where we are mentally, successfully, emotionally. So we don't have to be that person that's, that's living with regrets. We don't have to be that person that's, um, that sad or upset about what we missed because we because we missed the lesson or because we we missed the message that somebody expressed to us, and as I said, timing is everything, so now here I am at thirty, and I'm reading this book that I started reading um months ago, and in this moment it this is where it's clicking for me, so timing is timing is of the essence for sure I mean. I think because now that I've started this podcast and now that I've um really been locked into my healing and locked into um my growth this is a the, the time it couldn't have been any better as far as me having these moments of revelation that I didn't have when I was reading this over the summertime um in particular there was another part in this book that really hit me at the time and it kind of brought tears to my eyes I mean I don't know what's going on with me lately sis is getting old and sensitive I guess um (laughs) so she says so she's speaking about a relationship that she had because she was married prior to and she was divorced and then she started dating this guy and she says and and you know you know we got to talk about romance and love a little bit because um I mean, that's, that's just life's purpose is to have some type of love in some form or fashion. When you enter the world, love is like number one on the need list. The necessity is love and it always will be. So she says, I got it. I got it too. How good people can lose their way during life's transitions, how they can behave in a self-destructive, in self-destructive ways until they master another pattern. Should they ever choose another pattern? In my life, I chose a pattern different from the one I was born into, so I would not replay my past trauma with anyone. It was worth creating good with the right person at the right time. I am worth being healthy with a person who also chooses health. This one really spoke to me because oftentimes we really feel like we are above something, right? Like, we feel that we have... We have took the, the pieces of our lives that we've been dealt or the cards that we've been dealt and we have somehow projected ourselves past those cards, right? These are the cards that have been dealt, but I projected myself further than what those cards allow me to have, right? So there's like this huge sense of pride in where you come from, but there's also a bigger sense of pride in you not being a product of where you came from especially if you come from like um if you come from poverty or anything like that you have a sense of pride that you were able to somehow overcome that and not be a product of the environment in which you existed in although you do appreciate humble beginnings right so um with that you you think that you are that you have chose a different pattern, that this, the pattern that you have chose has kind of pushed you into a better life. It pushed you into making better decisions. You don't see, um, you don't see yourself in the same light that, that most people might've seen or stereotypically how people would see someone who comes from a certain kind of lifestyle. But you forget that there's a psychological element to it, right? There's this mental slavery or this mental, this mental um imprisonment that you suffer when you see certain things, when you live a live in a certain type of environment, right? And and you think that oh I've I've somehow escaped this physically, but if you don't address that mental blockage or you don't address that that mental element of the environment that you existed in. And, and most, and most times a lot of people have some sense of PTSD from the lifestyle that they, that they become accustomed to. Right. And you think that it's normal to see people shot. You think that it's normal to see people commit suicide or jump out of, jump off of buildings and, um, beat people to a pulp or people using drugs or high on different substances and like you you, this become it's so normalized that you don't realize that this is in in essence some sort of mental trauma that you are experiences experiencing and and ultimately this can become almost an imprisonment if you don't address it if you don't claim that trauma it can be self-destructive right and not just with violence, that's just one element of it. When you talk about love and you talk about um this human emotion that we innately wanna wanna experience, you gotta look at what are your examples of love? What are the examples of romance that you've seen in the environment that you were um that in the environment that you were brought up in, right? What what does love look like? Is it and is that form of love healthy, right? Or is it toxic? And when you talk about self-destruction and mental mental captivity, you think that the things that you've seen is natural and it's not, right? So, when you when you talk about breaking patterns or generational curses or creating or choosing a new pattern for yourself, you really got to look at the intersectionality between so many different elements of your life or your life experience, and you really have to learn or unlearn how you are now vicariously living out some of the stories that you've been told, right? And and you think that it's normal, and nine times out of ten, it's really not. Like if you don't have a real healthy understanding of what love is, and all love doesn't look the same. Obviously, there's so many different types of love that um, people experience, and. I don't think that there is a specific way that one or the other is supposed to look or what one or the other is supposed to feel like. But, it, but just as long as that it, it is healthy and not toxic, then that's what you're looking for, right? So being able to say, oh, I chose a different pattern for myself. I'm no longer living in a way that is self-destructive. You give yourself permission to be healthy. You give yourself permission to choose health. In the way that you live your life. I mean I know y'all can tell I'm very excited about this book because it is just so eye-opening for me right now like the timing is great it's fantastic I love it here I'm very excited about um where this book is journeying me right now so um, I'm going to keep on giving y'all little pieces as they come along. If I can, um, I might have something totally different to talk about. I know that I will, but I just wanted to share this with y'all this week because this week has really been eye-opening for me and I'm very, very, very grateful um, for the path that the creator has put me on right now in this season of my life. Very, very grateful. And in lieu of talking about traumas and suffering and pain, we all know or we should know that nothing is more painful than staying the same. And here is a love letter to you, to me, to us. I invite me to love my entire self. Not only am I learning to love myself, I'm learning to unapologetically choose me again and again and again. I give myself time to get it all together. I claim my experiences as the education that propels me into my higher self. I am optimistic about my power to change the things about me that weigh me down. And I love that for me.